two readings today. The first reading is in Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22. It's on the screen, and if you've got a pew Bible, it is on page 1777. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluding from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. And now the second reading is in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. As I said before, uh, welcome, and it's great to be with you, and I'm looking forward to um, uh, reflecting on um, membership a little bit more with you and what uh, God's Word has to say about His people. Uh, booklets are helpful. As usual, there's um, a blurb about membership and how we think about it. And can I encourage you to keep reading? I'll say it every week of this series to immerse yourself in what we've said in, in there because that gives you a good idea of where we're heading um, as a church. I'm just getting myself organised. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your Word and we ask that you will give us greater clarity Uh, by a word in what it means to be a people who follow you. Amen. Well, as you know, if you've been coming for many weeks and if you've just come for the first time today, welcome. And what we have been doing, if you haven't picked up on it, we've been thinking about five things that really shape us as a church. What are our purposes? What, What matters to us? And this is something that in this language we've rolled out across all our churches in the network, which has been really great and really helpful. And, and what we've been seeing is that there's a whole bunch of things that uh, shape how we are like 
uh, letting Jesus be the one who we follow. So we started our first week, as we've always kind of seen with the kids, magnification, that we magnify the glory of God. We put a spotlight on how awesome God is, if you like. The, the glory, the holiness, the bigness of God, everything we do, we do for the glory of God. So that's it. That could just be our one purpose and everything fits under it. But we want to give a bit more uh, context to that as we love God and on Sundays as we come together, we, we seek to magnify Him. We're actually passionate about others doing that as well. We want more and more people to love Jesus. And that's why one of our purposes is mission. We can't, it's why we started Grove in the first place. But you don't just start something to tell people you should come and follow Jesus and then not give them any context if they decide to. And so we want to be a people that has maturity as a key component. We want to be like Jesus, is what we saw last week. But the thing is, we don't want to be like Jesus once we've decided that we do want to follow Him and bring Him glory. We don't do that in little silos, we do that together. And so hence, today, we're going to think a little bit more about what does it mean to be a member of God's people? And what does it look like here at Grove? Let me ask you, what are you a member of? There's lots of things, isn't there? You have lots of things you're a member of, if I put all the cards that I'm a member of, I can't put this in my um, back pocket without giving myself some serious hip problems. It's so thick with all of my membership cards. Look at them all, it's ridiculous. I've got a whole bunch here lined up. I've got too many of those um, financial cards. I've got a, a health card. I've got all these sorts of cards. I've got way too many coffee cards. I'm members of too many different things and I go through and then there's one card to rule them all and that's my golf membership card. We all have cards that we're members of and then lots of things we're members of that you don't get a card for. It's all online or whatever it is. We belong to certain things and if we put them all together, it gets really thick and chunky. Now, being a follower of Jesus means that you are deciding that you belong to Him and His people. And so today, we're going to wrestle with that a little bit more. And kind of really, in many ways, next week is just elaborating on that further as we figure out how we serve as these people. Um, if you're coming regularly, I hope you're going to think, you know what, this is just really helpful because it's clarifying and it's giving me real understanding but it's what I believe. And if it's not, that's okay, but um, hopefully it gives us that renewed clarity. If you're new and visiting us, checking us out, seeing what we're like, I really hope today gives you a sense of this is what we aspire to be under God. And if you're not sure where you are with Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today, um, if you're willing to come along with us, gives you an opportunity to see that is why they gather together and do all that weird stuff on Sundays. That is why they actually want to be um, Christians together. It gives you that opportunity to kind of look in and see what that's like. You see, I think we all have a sense of wanting to belong. And sometimes on varying degrees, there are, there are some that naturally like to be alone more themselves, but even then we do have things that we do together. But Overall, humanity, it's the human experience is that we want to belong. Now, we talk a lot today in the current society about the individualism of the Western world and I talk about it a lot at the front too because we are more and more wanting to be individualistic in all the decisions and everything we make. But one of the great paradoxes of our society is while we're moving down that path, we can't avoid the fact that we're more and more 
part of different communities, that we belong to all sorts of different things. We are socially interdependent, if you like. We have lots of uh, families and neighbourhoods and groups and all this independence in of the electronic technological age has created all these other different types of communities which uh, we're trying to get our heads around it um, more and more. It seems every day something new pops up. You could argue that together is our default, even as we seek to be more untogether. How do you, how do you wrestle with this? Hugh Mackay, um, uh, one of my favourite books about Australian culture, What Makes Us Tick, The Tender Desires That Drive Us, an Australian anthropologist and social commentator, he picks one of the ten that he has seen is that we have a desire to belong. Let me read to you how he um, sums it up, because I think he sums it up really well. Uh, I'd like to say that Corolla pulled out the page, my thing here, but I didn't actually put one in, so I'm just going to have to find it. Um, there it is. This is what he said. Through 50 years of social research, much of it spent sitting in people's homes, listening to them talk about their attitudes, values and aspirations, I've been repeatedly struck by the attachment most people feel to their families, their neighbourhoods and communities, and their loyalty to various organisations they are associated with. The sense of belonging is palpable, and the lack of it is distressing to those experiencing loneliness, or social exclusion, for instance, or to recent arrivals who haven't yet made the sort of connections that help us feel we belong to a neighbourhood, a city, or even a country. Most of the time, it's not not exclusive and 100%, but this overwhelming sense that we had this desire to belong. And the landscape has changed when it comes to the Christian and belonging, I think. You see, in the 50s, if you don't know this about society, in the 50s, one of the key things you did as a community in your town is on a Sunday, what happened on a Sunday? Well, nothing, really, because everything closed down and people went to church. That was the kind of community and the club that you belonged to. And so everyone went. But what's changed now is everything's open on a Sunday. Sporting clubs are open. Uh, on there's uh, the shops that you can go to you can go to the movies you can you can do all sorts of other things and other community events and be part of all sorts of other places to belong and so the landscape has changed and so those coming to belong on a Sunday at church has shrunk and it's different why you come and so it means that it's weirder for people to come to church today it's not just what you did. For those of us who come regularly, we, we forget that it might be weird, don't we? <laughs> we stand up and down quite a few times and sing songs that someone reads words out loud, which you never normally do, that we, um, that we pray to someone that's not here. All these things are kind of foreign, and yet we take them for granted. So what's it mean to belong as a Christian? Well, each week I've been giving an image, an idea, and this is the one for this week as it comes up on the screen. What do you think it means to belong if you just looked at that picture? If you can't see it clearly, a whole bunch of little people making up a person with church in the middle there and Christ is the head at the top there. 
What does that tell you about belonging, if you've got anything? Just from the image. Anyone want to have a stab? The church is the body. There's one body. That we are one. That there are a whole bunch of us doing different things. Some are in the arm, some are in the leg. And then Jesus is up the top there. Now, that's just an image. I want to just show you briefly how the Bible overwhelmingly explains this to us and the body imagery is really helpful. You see, I think what it means to belong to a church, to God's people, is to embrace our unity and diversity in Christ. Let's have a look at unity first of all. Um, we're going to jump. We read Ephesians 2, which I'll allude to later, but in Ephesians 4, um, we read this. Don't worry if you can't read all the coloured words. I did that on purpose, so that's okay if you don't, uh, can't pick them all up. Because I realise some of you can't pick up some colours sometimes. Ephesians 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit. Just you, as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through... Uh, over all and through all and in all. See the overwhelming sense that Paul, after he's explained how you're saved by grace and how two groups have come to one in Ephesians 2 and he gets to Ephesians 4 and he's talking about how you're going to live as a people and he says you are united so profoundly into one. God is the one that unifies. It's his spirit, the unity of the spirit. We don't unify ourselves because we are a club and we have the same thing in common. Okay, we're not going to determine that we have the same thing in common because we all like sausages. That we're all meat eaters or that we're all vegetarians. We are unified by the Spirit in Christ. There is one way to unity and it's in Jesus. If you flick back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, the whole point of this letter to the Ephesians, he says, everything is about everything coming under the authority of Jesus. So let me just read it uh, for you. Instead of just taking my words for it here, it's such an important um, idea. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I'll read um, just a little bit above it. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. The goal is unity of everything under Christ, and so his people are united in Christ. And so the mission is about telling people that they need to love Jesus, repent and turn back to him. He is the king. It's his kingdom. We grow in that kingdom by being like the king. There is this overwhelming one unity. So there's one body and there it is. There is one spirit and so you're called to one hope. We don't hope for a different futures as God's people. We are hoping for the eternal home where we are with God forever 
in all glory in the new creation. That is the one hope that we have. There's one Lord. See all the different colours there? It's just all of them are saying the one thing in different ways. There's one Lord. There is only one who's in charge. There's not multiple heads on this body. There is one head. It is Jesus. There is one ruler. And so if there's one ruler, there's only one you can trust in. And there's only one you can trust in. There's one faith. Because that's what faith is. You and I don't get right with God by trusting in all sorts of different things. We come back to Jesus and we trust in Him for our salvation and then we live the rest of our lives trusting in Him. There is one baptism. That is to say, there is one washing. There is one cleansing. There is one way that your sins are dealt with in Christ. His blood washes you clean. And so any baptism is only in the name of the Father, Son and the Spirit because there's one God, one Father and He's the one who rules them all. We have great unity. What it means to belong is to work that out. You know, in Ephesians 2 that we had read, you see in uh, uh, verses 1 to 4, um, we, we read, let me, actually let me read that too. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 4, uh, the Corolla uh, helpfully read for us. In verses 1 to 4, as for you, oh, that's, sorry, 11 to 14, I'll read my notes better. Um, in 11 to 14, therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and caught uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. He is saying to all of those who weren't Jews, you, are, you were separate from, from God's people, the Israelites. You, you did not belong. The whole point of talking about circumcision is about this idea of belonging. It was the mark of belonging to God's people and they didn't. And then what happens? Verse 13... Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, the unity comes in Jesus and what he's done on the cross. That he has died for us and makes one people, one people by his blood. We embrace this unity. But we're not the same, are we? We're definitely not the same. And I don't just mean appearances, because that's just obvious. We are diverse. And that diversity goes into how we live as people in God's family. Let's have a look. Verse four, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 16. On the screen there you see, there's a whole big argument that Paul makes about all the different gifts and how, how you share and all those things, which we're not going to go into today because um, we, we did that last year as we broke down all of chapter 4 in our Ephesians series. You can go back and have a look at that. But I just want to highlight the point that he gets to in verse 16. From him, the whole body, that's Jesus, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We are interdependent upon each other. All those little people in the hand aren't going to be doing the running. The little people in the legs are going to be doing the running. 
See, we have different parts of the plane. Sometimes we have multiple parts. And it's a, an amazing thing. The, the idea that an eye is going to do the hearing and the, hearing is going to, the, the ear is going to do the seeing is absurd. But sometimes that's how we operate as a church, isn't it? That's how churches operate. We just kind of get ourselves in a mess instead of embracing how we serve one another together. Imagine, with the musicians, imagine if um, the keyboardist, it was Gabby today, wasn't it? Thank you for playing Gabby. Gabby decided she was going to play the keys like a guitarist. And Damien on the guitar tries to play the guitar like a keyboardist. And the singers, Andrew, who else is it? Is it Andrew and... Rannan, Rannan, you guys decide to sing by playing the trumpet. Just blowing, like that would not be pleasant. It doesn't work, right? You use your part as each part does its work. And God wants us to see that we are his body and we together do all sorts of different things to serve one another and live out life, do life together in all different ways. Serving one another. Because you see how it says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament? No one in any church should consider themselves um, worthless. You are priceless. Whether you are up the front or whether you usually sit at the back and, and do something behind the scenes, you are valuable in God's eyes, because everything does its part and God sees it working together as one body. There's different jobs, but it's irrelevant to seeing how we are one body. So what's the key then to belonging? What's the head? It's the head, isn't it? It's Jesus himself. We are a Jesus-shaped community. You've heard me say that many times. We're not just Jesus. We're Jesus-shaped because he's in charge. He determines what it looks like. He's the one who shapes how we do things. We make decisions based on following him. Not our own whims, not our own inclinations, not our own desires, not, not the challenges from the world coming in on us. We let him be the one in charge. So verses 19 to 20 of Ephesians 4. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the one foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. He's saying, you're you're not separate, you're together. And it's extraordinary when we went through this in Ephesians, if you recall, Um, And if you haven't read Ephesians ever, go back and read it looking at how two groups that are enemies that you could not imagine and by Jesus they come together and are one like this. It's extraordinary. When you're not foreigners, you're together and all the foundations that come from the apostles and prophets are because what are they on about? They're on about the head Jesus. He is the chief cornerstone. I am not in charge of Trinity Church Golden Grove. Jesus is. My job is to humbly under him lead you to keep on coming back to him and living for him. And we do it together. 
Jesus is the one who builds his church and we are a Jesus-shaped community. Why should this be a purpose? Why should we worry about this idea of belonging and having this sense of membership? Well, God made us to be united to him and one another. It's a theme of the Bible. We're not going to go into that whole theme now because that would go for quite a while, but it's where the garden starts, doesn't it? God, Adam and Eve, in relationship together in the garden. It's where it starts. But we know it goes wrong pretty quickly. And what's God's solution to the problem? He has a plan. It was always his plan. And the plan is to create a people through Abraham. The solution is to create a people who live and belong together. Which ultimately, all the Israelites are pointing to Jesus in which the people are found in him. You see, God's plan has always been about creating a people for himself and that people in Jesus is not a stale relationship. It's not boring it's not transactional. Like some of my memberships are pretty transactional. Like when I want to use one of my coffee cards and it's, give me my coffee, I need it right now. And I get my coffee, I give them the card, I get it ticked off and hopefully I get a new one, I get a free one soon. That's very transactional, not very relational. Although a lot of my coffee um, places I go to have good relationships with um, coffee places. Actually, one of the guys, I was lining up and he said, I've got it today and he gave me the coffee for free for no reason. That's a good relationship, that was excellent. But that's, that's not really a real relationship. That was just a really cool moment in my life this week. Real relationships, right? Real, deep, profound relationship is the kind of people God is wanting us to be in and so be in with each other. I think one of the best ways, the way I like seeing it, is by seeing that I'm a child of God. I just, it's always been something very early on in my Christian walk when I realised that God sees me deeply in that intimate way And so I love 1 John 3. Um, I've memorised it, but since the NIV just changed its version, I get it mixed up a little bit, so I'm going to read it out to you. Um, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, is what he says. You see, the relationship that we have as a people is that God sees us as someone who he deeply cares for. We are his children. Belonging is a lifelong, intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And it's not individual because we are children. We have siblings in that sense, right? Jesus, us, we are intimately in this relationship in a way that we only get a snippet of. We're going to get to the new creation and we're going to go, oh wow, I had no concept really of how extraordinary this relationship is with the God of the universe. The moments where we have the greatest clarity are fantastic, but I reckon we're still far short from getting real clarity on how great this relationship is. And that takes me to why this should be a purpose. The the other point that I have, it's because eternity is about belonging. It starts in the garden... God's plan through uh, creating a people in which Jesus is the solution ends with eternity, with everyone around the throne in Revelation and all the pictures of a wedding banquet and God's people being together with him into all eternity. 
Can you see how God wants us to understand that while we're here for this fleeting moment, this side of heaven, we're to live life together? What does belonging to the people of God look like? Well, see, in a sense, we have a desire to belong. And I reckon it's kind of there for many of us. The, the feeling of not being alone, that, that our identi- we identify with our own tribes, which actually causes a lot of overheated passion and hatred of other tribes, doesn't it? It causes violence. But belonging also causes great love and enjoyment and peace. How many fights in politics are about two tribes fighting with each other? Whether you love him or hate him, and the reality is in America a lot of people love Trump, there are two tribes who are really fighting over their identity as a nation. Hugh Mackay says in, uh, in his book on belonging that religion is the strongest and the most persistent basis of tribalism. And if you look at history, yeah, it is in many ways. And the same goes for sport. We have all this kind of built into us, being made in the image of God. It makes sense when we see God's plan for humanity to belong with Him forever, that it's not that far away from what we kind of try and do in, in how we relate to each other. We want to belong. And God is saying, the thing is, though, what you need to realise is, it's with me and with each other as my people, not any other versions that you create. It doesn't matter which part of Australia you were born in. It doesn't matter which country you come from. It doesn't matter what your cultural identity is. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. What matters is if you want to belong to God's people, to Jesus himself, because he has died for you and given you life. So Trinity Church, as you can see in the booklet, we wanted to articulate this clearly. And the way we've done that, I think it's up on the screen there, is the membership is God saves people through the gospel of Jesus. We are united with Jesus and all believers. God intends us to express this unity by belonging to a local church where our life together testifies to God's wisdom and power. We are saved and that has to happen. You can't belong to God's people if you haven't turned to God and said, I need you, I've lived a life in rejection of you, I have to turn back to you because you have completely saved me by your death on the cross. Without that, coming every week, getting involved is foolish. But when you do that, you're united to him and his people in this extraordinary way. And so our purpose to see, as we see on on the screen, our purpose is to see all who come warmly and intentionally welcomed. 
And I hope that when you came to Grove, whether it's today and warm welcome or whether at some point along the line, you could say, that's what happened. But we, we've got it wrong, no doubt, many times. But that's our hope and prayer, to see all who come to Trinity Church warmly and intentionally welcomed, included and nurtured, so that together we develop a great love for the church for which Jesus died. It's welcoming, and then when we are part of the church, nurturing. And, and Carl's going to mention a little bit that in a moment as I, as I wrap up. You see, we express all our purposes together. I wonder if you can remember what all the different images are. I'll put them up on the screen. You see, as God's people now, see, they're not silos. We don't think about the five purposes and I just think about this one now and this one now. No, no, they all work together. This is just a way that we've uh, helped us to have clarity on understanding and, and, and doing it together. But we glorify God. We put a spotlight on who He is in our own time and as we come together. Right now, we are glorifying God as we're reflecting on His Word. When we sing songs that speak of His greatness and how we want to love Him, we're building each other up as we're glorifying Him and putting um, our eyes and thoughts to Him. And as we go out during the week, we do that individually in our whole bodies, offering them as sacrifices to God. We live for the King's kingdom. That's what the mission is about. That there is a kingdom that Jesus is King of and we want people to be part of it. That is what our beating heart is about. So it's not, oh yeah, that's not a bad idea. All of us are supposed to have that beating heart together. And this would all fall apart if we didn't have a passion to grow, to grow in Christ, to magnify God, to be focused on His mission, totally and utterly and 100% dependent upon His Word. It's the only way we know what the mission is. It's the only way we know that that, uh, we should bring all glory to God. It's the only way we know how we're saved. It's the only way we know how we can grow to be more like Jesus through His Word. And we bring all of our requests and all our praise to Him in prayer. We rely on that. And so today, we do it. We get greater clarity that we do it together. You see, one of the great questions that usually at some point in your life, and early, often young Christians, Christians and youth groups are often asked the question, do you need to go to church to be a Christian? I'm hoping now your, your answer wouldn't be yes or no to that. Your answer to that would be, it's totally the wrong question. You're saved by Jesus, but you're saved to be a people. You figure it out. See, you are saved to do life together because that's where we're heading. And being a church, this side of heaven is messy. Sometimes the pastors get it wrong. You've seen that. You've had me for three years. We often get it wrong with each other. We say things we wish we didn't say. We do things we wish we didn't do. And life gets messy. We have heartache and pain and grief. But we do it together. 
because we always have grace, we always have forgiveness, and we know that our identity as a church never changes because Jesus is the head. You and I don't have to wonder whether this thing crumbles. You know, um, ch- planning a church, and those in the core, and Corolla would testify to being there in the beginning, and the core team was there at the beginning, it is kind of a scary experience. You spend a lot of time thinking about something that doesn't exist, and you have to trust in God that it will happen, and you think, what if it doesn't work, and all of these kind of things that happen. But in, in one way, that's just wrestling with uh, your, own, your own challenges, because if we see that God's plan is far bigger, it actually doesn't matter if God's plan is for growth to last another five years, another 50 years, or for another 120 years. What matters is that we seek, while we are here now, to bring Him honour and glory and do it together as His people. I'm just going to say four quick summaries because I want Corolla just to share how she's perceiving of um, membership and I mean by how she's perceiving it, how we've all been talking about it as a team and we're all on the same page. Um, but I'd love her to just, just share that reflections. But I just want to say, if I was to say four things about membership, I would say, firstly, we welcome and connect with others. Secondly, we care for one another. And that means we have hospitality towards one another. And then fourthly and lastly, one thing I will labour on for just a moment, we turn up. This isn't about, okay, now you've got to come to church every Sunday and if you don't, this is about you actually just want to commit to God's people. That's what I mean by turn up. In Hebrews 10 that we had read, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing because you can't actually encourage one another if you're not there to encourage someone. Kind of the duh moment. But I reckon that's one of the biggest challenges we have because in the 50s, everyone was just there because that's what you did as the club of church. But now that that's gone and it's more about what am I going to get out of it, we forget that God wants us to be a people that turns up. I hope you can continue to wrestle with being a part of God's people. I hope that's encouraging. But I'd really love Corolla just to share with us for a moment. I'll grab the microphone for you. Um, how you have uh, thought about membership um, for us at, at Grove. And then after you finish, I'll just briefly pray before we move on. Is it on? Yeah, great. Okay. So I pose you a thought which goes along the lines of what Mike was doing with his extremely overfilled wallet. When you join a group, why do you join? Do you join because you don't agree with what they stand for? Do you join because you don't want to support the goal or vision of that group? Do you join because you have to? Which sometimes they do force your pen into a hand and you sign and you're like, what am I doing? Life membership to coffee something. Do you have a favourite sports team but you insist on only wearing the other team's colours when you go to the game? Belonging to a church doesn't mean you are joining a club. It's pretty far from it because belonging to a church is belonging to a family. Membership here at Grove is not about ticking boxes and saying, 
you know, I tolerate this bunch of unique, interesting people enough to see them mostly on a regular basis, I think, but about being connected somewhere and doing life together. So how do I describe membership? To me, it is like a warm hug of the five M's. It starts before someone walks up those stairs and through those front doors and continues through till after the last person locks up the building and leaves. It's the fuel that gets people here before the service begins because it would be much harder to welcome someone when no one is actually here or in the building. And it's the fuel that gets people meeting midweek. The Membership M principle has two primary focus points, connecting people into our church and caring for our community, or you could say that differently by saying it's the welcoming and partial care of our church. Welcoming is not just for our visitors by the people who are on the welcoming team at the front door each week, but it's for each other and to each other as well. Did you know that you're all in the welcoming team? We welcome each other by sitting together in the church, looking at who is near us, waving across the room at people if you are Julie Prattis, or talking before and after church together, (laughs) (laughs) or talking before and after church together around the morning tea and hot drinks that get provided each week. Those people who are in the morning tea, those people who are in the morning tea group and barista teams, they are part of the welcoming team. The music team is a part of the welcoming team. The person who turned up today and boldly said hello to someone they don't know, they are in the welcoming team. Pastoral care is the ongoing care of our community. We want to love each other through the good times and the not-so-good times. We want to provide meals for those when things have changed, such as how we've had several great people volunteer to provide some food for the Mayhews now that they have a new bundle of joy in their life. Perhaps a couple who has small children would like to have dinner together without their beautiful treasures. Perhaps there has been a loss in someone's life or someone has been injured enough that doing things around the home cannot be possible. Perhaps age has made it hard to do the gardening or the washing or the cleaning. I think we at Trinity Church already look out for each other pretty well, but I think we can refine what we do a bit better. The communication cards are really a great tool for us, particularly in any leadership role that is here. And to do a slight plug, the communication cards really do give us information about where the needs are or to answer questions. It's just, have you ever filled one out? Maybe you come and visit, maybe you turn up regularly, maybe I don't actually know your last name. But... These are really great for us to know where the needs are and to know how we can look after you. But also, how can we pray for you as well? Do you get the weekly emails that get sent out giving you updates on upcoming events like the luncheon next week or the baby announcement? Perhaps today is a day that you fill in a communication card and we get your details. Maybe you want to know about our community groups or Jesus, or our Connect course, which several people here today are going to be doing the second part of the course over lunch. I am not the only membership person, and I cannot actually do this alone. None of us can. 
I am the facilitator of the membership focus for who we are at Trinity Grove. I pray you want to arrive with this focus every week. And even more, I pray that you consider how you might be a part of being on teams that serve on a monthly or semi-regular basis. Whether you're new, brand new, or regular here, I really do hope you have felt the warmth of being in the community here at Trinity Grove. And if you need more memes in your life, send me your email. Thank you. You don't have to do that last bit. Everything else was good. <laughs> um, uh, Peter's going to pray for Corolla a, a bit later when we pray. Um, if you've got any questions, you can ask them. So let me just quickly pray, and then you can ask some questions. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks. Um, for each person that's in this room right now. Uh, And we pray that we'll continue to wrestle with what it means to love and follow you uh, day by day. Amen.